This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, President Biden continues his surprise European trip. He will meet with the Polish president today and also plans to meet with other NATO allies before returning home. Ohio hit with another disaster. This time a metals factory explodes, killing one and injuring over 10. This as cleanup efforts continue after the toxic chemical train derailment. A suspect in the killing of a California bishop has been arrested. We share what's known so far in the investigation. A massive winter storm forecast to hit the U.S. today. Find out what conditions are expected and which areas will be affected. And many people changed their lifestyles during the pandemic. Find out how a Maryland mom made her gardening dream come true, saving her family some big bucks in the process. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, and I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Tuesday, February 21st. We start out with some news from President Biden's European trip. The president is now in Poland. He arrived in Warsaw late on Monday. Biden will meet with Polish President Andrzej Duda. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on the president's itinerary. President Biden and President Duda will discuss collective efforts to support Ukraine. In the evening, Biden will give a speech on how the United States has helped rally the world to support the war-torn country. This as the conflict enters its second year with no end in sight. A White House spokesperson says the president will make it clear that the U.S. will continue to stand with Ukraine. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. Biden will also meet leaders of eastern flank NATO allies, including the Czech Republic, Bulgaria and Hungary, before leaving Warsaw. The president will reaffirm unwavering support for their security. The visit to Poland comes on the heels of the president's surprise visit to Kyiv, where he met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. We can and must make this year, 2023, the year of victory. While Biden was in Kyiv, the State Department announced an additional nearly $500 million in U.S. aid to Ukraine. That includes artillery ammunition, anti-armor systems and air defense radars, as well as support for energy infrastructure. The trip took place a day before Russian President Vladimir Putin was due to make a major address on Tuesday. He plans to set out aims for the second year of what he now calls a proxy war against the armed might of Washington and NATO. Meanwhile, High Representative of the EU for Foreign Affairs, Joseph Burrell, highlighted the urgency of Ukraine's support. Time is of essence. Speed means lives. This as Russia launches a long-anticipated offensive, raising the intensity of attacks in eastern Ukraine while building up forces in the south. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And joining me now is the Consul General of Poland in New York, Mr. Adrian Kubicki, to give some more insights on that trip. Good morning, Mr. Kubicki. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. And first, please talk a bit about the significance and the message that this trip is sending. Well, first of all, we're very grateful and very happy that President Biden decided to visit Poland uh, and speaking more generally, the eastern flank of NATO just ahead of 
the, this one-year anniversary of the Russian aggression in Ukraine. But perhaps even more importantly, that he decided to take this brave uh, train trip to Kiev and meet with uh, President Zelensky. Um, to some extent, if uh, there wouldn't be this meeting with President Zelensky between President Biden and President Zelensky, something would be missed. And uh, we were very happy that the U.S. administration took that step uh, to be there in Kiev and um, uh, reaffirm uh, that U.S. support uh, to Ukraine. To Poland, uh, that commitment is very significant because, as you know, Poland is very much engaged in providing different uh, different ways of her helping Ukraine. Uh, but um, with uh, without U.S. and without uh, support of American administration, uh, this help wouldn't be sufficient enough for Ukrainians to continue uh, pushing back the Russian invaders. Uh, so uh, we took this trip and, and the result of this trip, uh, some of the announcements that have been made in Kiev by President Biden uh, with, a, with a great amount of gratitude. Now to the trip to Poland, President Biden uh, is going to address Polish nation, some of the Polish officials. Obviously, he's going to have a direct meeting with Polish President Andrzej Duda. And I think the purposes are, are many. First is to thank Polish nation and Poland for the commitment and for the help that has been already provided to Ukraine. Uh, but uh, on top of that, uh, I think we're, we're going to have an opportunity to discuss some of the concerns that we have regarding the security of our region. I'd say that the Central and Eastern Europe right now is probably one of the most important regions in terms of security of the entire global community. So we are very grateful and very happy that we will have that chance to, to have this discussion with, with President Biden directly. Polish mm -hmm. leaders, Polish President Andrzej Duda and other leaders of the countries of eastern flank of NATO. But also there is the, this message that has been successfully sent out to Putin and to Russia that uh, NATO is not going to step back. We're not going to make any uh, step back in terms of continuing support towards Ukraine. And this is something that uh, must make Mr. Putin very disappointed. Mm -hmm. I think that he counted on NATO that eventually we will, we, will, we will kind of decline in terms of the amount and quality of help provided to Ukraine, but it's actually on the contrary. Right. And um, President Duda actually also said that this visit will produce developments of global significance. And now um, I'm wondering, you know, what do you think talks will be focused on this time during his meeting with President Duda and the Bucharest Nine? First of all, Poland and other countries of, of Bucharest 9, the eastern flank of, of NATO, will have a chance to directly uh, express some of our concerns, but also our expertise, very unique expertise on the dynamics that are going on right now in our region. So this is the, the first thing, our, the chance to exchange some of the informations directly, give President Biden uh, a chance to, uh, to have the, 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 the opportunity um, to get this experience firsthand from the leaders of, of the countries of, of the Eastern Europe. Uh, but also we come to this meeting with certain expectations. I think that since uh, that region became so crucial over past year, uh, that it should prove that NATO should commit to strengthen uh, the security of the region. And there are various ways uh, of doing that, um, uh, which we would like to discuss. One of the topics that that most probably will be raised during that meeting is how to ex extend uh, the presence of, of U.S. military, U.S. troops 
in Poland and in other countries of the eastern flank of NATO. Um, so, so this is very practical uh, part of, of these discussions and hopefully some decisions can be taken. I'm not sure if they will be announced during that visit. Um, there is a, a NATO summit that is coming up and it's going to take place also in Eastern Europe in Vilnius very soon. But I think this visit and this meeting with President Biden and, by the way, NATO Secretary General, who is also coming to the meeting, um, have, will be a chance to discuss some of the grounds, uh, some of the basis of maybe future announcements of how to enhance the security of the eastern flank of NATO. Hmm. And is there any specific, anything specific that you hope to see accomplished this time? Well, I, first of all, uh, all steps are being taken forward towards uh, Russia ending this aggression, ending this invasion. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if we are coming close to it. Uh, it will rather take time uh, for them to, to eventually leave Ukraine. Uh, but as President Biden said to President Zelensky yesterday, he said just that, that we will be with you as long as it takes. And this is also a commitment of Poland. Uh, so I think this is a strong step forward. Um, uh, and we would like to see, and this, this is the uh, expected outcome of this visit, the enhanced security also of the eastern, I'm sorry, eastern flank of NATO. Mm. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Consul General Adrian Kubicki. Thanks for getting up with us early. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And back to the States, another tough blow in Ohio. One person died and at least a dozen were injured after an explosion tore through a metals plant there yesterday. The blast scattered molten metal and debris that rained down on neighboring businesses. The disaster caused a major fire and sent smoke billowing into the sky. The smoke clouds could be seen for miles around the damaged factory near Cleveland. All of those injured were on site. The falling debris thankfully spared people at neighboring businesses. I. Schumann & Company produces copper, brass and bronze and has been in business since 1917. The explosion was about 70 miles northwest of East Palestine, Ohio, where a train loaded with toxic chemicals derailed earlier this month. A suspect has been arrested in the weekend killing of a Los Angeles bishop. Police say he's the husband of the bishop's housekeeper. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the investigation. A SWAT team arrested 65-year-old Carlos Medina at his home in Torrance, California on Monday. Torrance is about 35 miles southwest of Hacienda Heights, where Auxiliary Bishop David O'Connell was shot and killed. The suspect is the husband of O'Connell's housekeeper. Los Angeles County Sheriff Robert Luna says there was no evidence of forced entry into the bishop's home. The suspect uh, had been at the bishop's house before doing work. Uh, so there was some kind of a, maybe a working relationship, but we're still trying to figure out what that relationship was. Surveillance footage from the bishop's driveway shows the suspect's SUV at the home at the time of the killing. How he uh, exactly got in there, that's what the detectives need to start piecing together. Luna says detectives discovered two firearms during a search of the suspect's home. Ballistic tests are pending and have yet to link the guns to the murder. Authorities say a caller tipped them off that the suspect was acting irrationally and had made comments about the bishop owing him money. Sheriff Luna says he cannot confirm that claim and that detectives still need to validate if it's true. He added that the housekeeper is cooperating with the investigation and that the motive in the killing remains unknown. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. 
The TSA says a record number of guns were found at airport checkpoints in the U.S. last year. Officials attribute the climb in numbers to more Americans carrying firearms. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on what experts and officials have to say about it. Head of the Transportation Safety Administration, David Pekoski, says the number of guns found at airport checkpoints last year was around 6,500, up from 6,000 the year before. We think the reason we're seeing it is because what we see in our checkpoints really reflects what we're seeing in society, and in society there are more people uh, carrying firearms. Experts don't think it's an epidemic of would-be hijackers. Nearly everyone caught claims to have forgotten they had their gun with them. Officials say bringing a gun into a secure area of an airport or airplane creates unnecessary risks, and that taking firearms to a screening checkpoint can delay other passengers. Guns don't belong on airplanes, they don't belong in the security area of an airport, and they certainly don't belong at our security checkpoints. Pekoski says the trend has been increasing over the years. He says what's concerning is that close to 90% of the guns are loaded. We will gradually increase the penalties to really reinforce the people to pay attention to the requirements, to the, to the regulations that are out there, uh, and make it safe and secure for everybody in the travel. The maximum penalty for being caught is close to $15,000. Repercussions vary depending on local and state laws. The person could be arrested and have their gun confiscated. Those caught will also lose TSA pre-screening eligibility and could be subject to enhanced screening. Air passengers are allowed to travel with a gun if they declare it to their air carrier and put it in their checked baggage. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Coming up, millions of Americans could be affected by a winter storm moving in today. We have more in the Arctic blast that could be coming to your state. And another earthquake rattled Turkey and Syria yesterday. Authorities are saying there were multiple deaths and hundreds were injured. That and more when we return. Welcome back. A massive winter storm is forecast to hit a large portion of the United States beginning today, and it'll continue for the rest of the week. The National Weather Service warns it will present a range of hazards to millions of Americans. The Arctic blast will hit the Pacific Northwest and then push across the northern Rocky Mountains into the Great Plains. The National Weather Service said on Monday the storm will bring heavy snow and strong winds. Temperatures will drop drastically by as much as 25 degrees in some areas, leading to dangerous wind chills. There will be blizzard conditions in parts of the west and midwest. In some places, winds will likely gust to over 50 miles per hour. The Weather Service says that will bring extreme disruptions to travel, as well as potential power outages. The storm will hit the Great Lakes in the northeast by late Wednesday and Thursday. It's expected to bring heavy snow and a mix of sleet, snow and freezing rain to the region. Winter storm warnings span from Washington State to California. Winter storm watches are in effect from Arizona to the Great Plains and upper Midwest regions. Considerable disruptions to daily life in the mountains in the west and parts of South Dakota, Minnesota and Wisconsin are expected. The Weather Service says to avoid travel in these areas. James O'Keefe, who founded the undercover journalist group Project Veritas, is leaving the organization. His departure follows a management dispute. 
So I'm announcing to you all that today on President's Day, I'm packing up my personal belongings. James O'Keefe announced on Monday that the Project Veritas Board of Directors removed him from the board and stripped him of his authority as CEO. This followed a conflict over how to handle fundraising for the nonprofit. O'Keefe said he asked the board members to resign or else he'd be forced to walk away from the group. There were tactical disagreements about the boldness of approaches soliciting donations. I was told, and I'm paraphrasing, by asking for X dollars right now, you will prevent 10X dollars down the road. That advice ran contrary to everything I knew to be true in my 13 years of fundraising. O'Keefe said he doesn't have the answers as to why the board chose to oust him, but added he believes those reasons will come to light. He said he will continue doing what he's been doing. Our mission continues on. I'm not done. The mission will perhaps take on a new name, and it may be no longer called Veritas, Project Veritas. I'll need a bunch of people around me, and I'll make sure I'll make sure you know how to find me. O'Keefe founded Project Veritas in 2010. The group is known for undercover sting operations that attempt to expose wrongdoing by government officials and corporations. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. Another earthquake rocked Turkey and Syria yesterday. At least eight people have died and hundreds more were injured. The magnitude 6.3 quake struck southern Turkey near the Syrian border. It's been just two weeks since the country's worst earthquake in modern history killed over 46,000 people. Panic rang out on the streets of Hatay after a magnitude 6.3 earthquake struck southern Turkey near the Syrian border late on Monday. The mayor of Hatay province said there were reports of people stuck under rubble. The fresh earthquake comes just two weeks after Turkey's worst quake in modern history left tens of thousands dead. Monday's quake was caught on live television. Reporters in Hatay were standing next to a collapsed building. Then, as the quake hit, the signal was lost. When back on the air, they could be heard saying, it trembles, it still continues. Dust filled the air, and they continued their broadcast wearing masks. Buildings were damaged even more on Monday, leaving dust in the night air in central Antakya city, where the quake was centered. That's according to two Reuters reporters, who said the tremors were strong and lasting. Emergency workers rushed to help residents, some of whom had been living in temporary tents. One man in Hatay said he felt unstable on his feet. It felt like the ground would tear apart. The ground was shaking. We were very scared. We thought the ground would tear apart. Smaller tremors have jolted the region in the last two weeks, but Monday's quake was the largest since the recent disaster on the Turkey-Syria border. Coming up, some tourists in the Bahamas got an adrenaline boost while on a boat tour. Not because of a massive creature swimming under the water, but the unexpected move of a daring pup. And roll up your sleeves, get some good exercise and make some healthy food that tastes great. A Maryland mom shares how gardening has brought her peace of mind and saved some cash. Those stories after the break. Good to have you back with us. A first-generation 2007 iPhone sold for more than $63,000 in an online auction Sunday. That's more than 100 times its original cost of $599. 
The box had never been opened. The original iPhone offered early Apple adopters a 3.5-inch screen with a 2-megapixel camera plus 4 or 8-gigabyte storage options. It also offered internet capabilities and iTunes. It had no app store, ran on a 2G network, and was exclusive to AT&T's network. Bidding on the phone started earlier this month at $2,500. Another unopened first-generation iPhone sold for more than $39,000 in October. And now on to a daring dog taking on a 12-foot hammerhead shark in the Bahamas, and it was all caught on camera. How big is that? A boat of tourists spotted a hammerhead shark while sailing past a private island in the Bahamas, but then a dog jumped in to confront the massive creature. Gasps and screams can be heard from the passengers as the dog leaps into the water. You can hear some of them saying that the dog is biting the shark. After paddling around for about two to three minutes, the pup managed to chase away the shark and victoriously climbed ashore. The tour company says the feisty pup lives on the private island. It's unclear if the dog was just defending its home or looking to play with the shark. Either way, the dog escaped the incident unharmed, and hopefully the shark did too. You know, Evelyn, hammerhead sharks can grow to 20 feet in length and up to 1,000 pounds. Yeah, that made me really nervous. That poor dog, they could have been gone in like an instance. Yeah. One bite. Dangerous animals, and it's a truly daring dog. Hmm. Okay, now decreasing our adrenaline again in the morning, we'll move on to something more relaxing, gardening. Growing your own food doesn't just taste better, it can save money too. A mom from Maryland decided to start a vegetable garden, but little did she know at the time, her green fingers would be so rewarding. Kristen McCoy, a mom from Central Maryland, started gardening during the pandemic. She says she always liked the idea of being a gardener. I've always been fascinated with um, plants. We lived in a townhouse and didn't have any land at all, um, but I did have a deck and I would put um, tomatoes and strawberries in pots and herbs and anything I could that could fit in my tiny little deck on our townhouse. Having moved to a bigger house, she decided to expand her skills. When we knew that we were moving into uh, this house, I just, I read all of the books. I, I probably have 15 books. I listened to all the podcasts. I followed everybody that I could on social media. Um, and I, I hit the ground running as soon as we moved in. And it has just grown and grown over the years. <laughs> Kristen says growing her own food has greatly improved her mental health. If I can't garden, I don't feel you know, my best. Um, so this is something that I want to do. I want to get out into my garden as much as possible. Her children also enjoy getting involved. Especially my four-year-old son. Um, it's hard to keep him out of the camera because he's constantly, he gets upset with me if I am harvesting anything and he can't be there to do it. Kristen is saving around $1,500 a year on her food bill. On top of this, her family also enjoys the fresh produce more than what they get from a grocery store. She says gardening does have its challenges and is often a matter of trial and error. I do my best learning and have my biggest leaps when I um, really mess up and I say, why, why did this happen? And I keep practicing and practicing and practicing and then I get better at it. Um, I always say that practice doesn't make perfect, 
all the time, but it does make better. Um, and sometimes we have to fail in order to understand exactly why um, something grows. Kristen shares her gardening adventures with her followers on social media. Some of her videos have racked up nearly one and a half million views. She shares tips and information with many in the gardening community, hoping that her example will inspire others to not shy away from giving it a try. I say to start small, start smart. So um, do all of your research, follow all the people, learn from the experts that have been doing it for a long time. Um, ask your neighbors. I think that's a really big part of it. All her surplus either gets dehydrated or frozen, giving her enough food to last her family for the whole year. Wow, these vegetables look so good. And what a healthy way of living. Yeah, and you know what are some really great benefits of gardening? The taste of the fresh food and the exercise you get. All right, yeah, you made experience with that. Yeah, the green beans were really good. Mm. All right, that's it for today. Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com as usual if you have anything to share with us. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.